Good morning. Well, it's either Christmas or a Mr. Rogers convention today. Sorry, guys. You look great, by the way. Good to see everybody. I hope you're doing good. So, I mean, this is this is a strange time. We're just a few days before Christmas, and next Sunday it'll be after Christmas. And, you know, we had to make the call. What Sunday is going to be the Christmas Sunday for us? So uh, it's going to be the one that's closest to Christmas. That's the way I do it. it so it'll be next week is when we'll have the, the Christmas uh, Sunday, and we'll have the kids singing and all that stuff. So I hope you can make it back. Um, but we're in a Christmas series, and we have been over the past couple of weeks, and we're going to continue that today. So, just with just a few days left, are you feeling the pressure? Who's ready? Who's ready? Oh, you're being serious, so you're not ready. Okay. <laughs> um, if you're like me, you know, you just go with the flow until the last day, and then you just, you know, don't go to sleep and get everything done, right? Just knock it out. So, I, I, you know, I was interested in looking at the holiday rush. You know, I'm seeing it uh, when I go out, and if you go to the store or something like that, you can feel, you know, the holiday rush. And over the years, there's just been this excitement over things and shopping and gifts. And so, you know, I was looking back. I wanted to look back and see, because I remember this as a kid growing up, right? The craziness over certain things, over certain gifts. And maybe you remember this. Anybody remember the Cabbage Patch Kids? 1983, okay? I was five years old. But I remember this, and I never really wanted a Cabbage Patch Kid, but, you know, this was the first time that riots broke out over a gift, over a baby doll, or whatever it is, right? Um, this was the first time that grandmothers fought over a little child. Seriously, you can go back and read some of the, the, the stories. Just craziness. And then um, it, just, it just grew and grew. And, you know, every year there's these things that, that is the thing. It's the thing. It's the thing. 1988, maybe this, is more, this was more me, was the Nintendo, right? I mean, um, just one of a kind... What is that? Like, I want it, and, and you kill your parents talking to them about it. Please give me this, and then you can't find it and stuff like that. Then after that, let's see, the very next year was the Game Boy. Man, I, I remember that. I remember that. The, the Sega Genesis and, and all this stuff, the latest craze, and then 96 comes, and it's Tickle Me Elmo. And I'm like, no, I'm not tickling you, Elmo. These things that you just, people fight over and sell out. And so, uh, it's not my favorite Christmas movie, but I do like it. Uh, Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I like seeing him out of his element. That's funny to me. I like hearing him say, drop the cookie. That's, that's different. But Jingle All the Way, 1996. And so, this movie is about a dad, right? And he's he's in... He's got a job, and he's real busy and um, trying to get ready for Christmas and has a wife that's hounding him about getting ready for Christmas and, um, you know, has a son that wants this thing, and he's supposed to get it, right? And he forgets that it sells out. And the rest of the movie is about his pursuit of Turbo Man. Remember that? And it, it's all about him acquiring and going after and getting this one thing, and it's so crazy that it's, his job is failing and his marriage is falling apart and the relationship with his child is just growing distant and by the end of the movie he's dressing up like Turbo Man in the Christmas parade. Right. Good. I like that movie but it, it really shows the heart of the average person especially in America about how we see something and we go after it. Right. And we get, it's almost like our life becomes that. Is that what Christmas is about? 
about going after something and doing everything you can to to find it about about getting excited and and just man losing your mind over certain things and then doing that again the next year all right i know we say like i going to change and it's going to be different but it's the same is that what christmas is about there ironically ironically it is it is you see but the thing that people are going after that you and i go after and we get all crazy about is really the wrong thing but christmas is about finding something and what we're going to read about today, the heart of Christmas, man, is about finding the greatest thing. It's about finding the greatest thing. Not Turbo Man. Not Cabbage Patch. Not Nintendo. Not Tickle Me Elmo. Right? You see, those things don't satisfy. They don't bring true joy. They don't last. And next year, your kid's going to be asking for something else. Your life's going to be falling apart. Your marriage is going to be falling apart. Your relationship with your children, eh, not going to be as good. See, at the heart of Christmas is finding Jesus. And it's focusing on Jesus. And like, he's the, he's the thing. He's the, he's, the, he's the big item. He's the thing that, look, I'm pushing grandma out of the way to get to. Right? And then he's the thing that, that man, just I'm just so excited about. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to do a lot of reading today, but that's okay. Uh, number one, we're in church. Um, number two, if there's any time where I'm going to read a lot of Scripture, it's going to be around Christmas. So I'm going to read the, these two stories, and you're going to be so familiar with this. Um, and I'm not going to put the verses on the screen this time. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. And there are Bibles in the seats around you if you want to grab one of those if you don't have one. If not, you can just listen. Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8. And and this will be the shepherds, okay? Verse 8 says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God. And saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them but mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told i love that and tradition in our family as we read luke 2 during christmas we just read it just read it the story of of Christmas, but I love this particular part of Luke 2 with with the shepherds, right, and and the angels appearing to the shepherds and what that story is is all about. And you see, there's another story that will take place after this, after the birth of Jesus, and that is the story of the the wise men or the, the, the magi and these we separate these two stories a lot, but it, they're a part of the same 
story. It's part of the part of the same great story. And and they too see something in the sky. Ironically, the they see a miracle happen in the sky. And, you know, like we see the for sale, right? Or sale or buy one, get one free, or the, the red light, right, discount, blue light special, whatever. They saw something as, as well that led them to the, the greatest thing. This is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. Let's read this as well. Matthew, chapter 2. Verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his, his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where the Messiah was to be born in, the, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler, notice this, who will shepherd my people Israel. And I love how God connects these two stories that are years apart in these two people groups shepherds and, and wise men and a prophecy that's 700 years old and God's orchestrating it all, one, one will come who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Wow. All right. So I don't know if I've ever done that before. I read those two stories as one story, but it's part of one story. It's part of the, the greatest story ever told. And it's part of the heart of Christmas what Christmas is all about, people finding the greatest thing in all the world. Man. We, we, we can take so many different things from this, these two stories. And over the years, you know, I've looked at this and, you know, I'll preach a sermon on the shepherds or a sermon on the, the wise men and sometimes we'll do it differently. There's so many things that you can take away from this, but like, the purpose of this series is what's at the heart. If you peel everything else back, look, that's catchy, that's good, that goes with that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. We peel all that back. What is at the heart of Christmas? What is God saying? What is God doing? And here we see signs in the sky, in the cosmos, thousands of miles apart, calling to one place. Inviting to one place. Here with these two stories, I'm just going to share two really big words with you at what is at the heart of Christmas. And it's this, it's seeking. Seeking. Now similar to the, the holiday craze, right? When everybody is just... Going after something, you name it, whether it's a gift or it's a ham or a turkey or whatever. It's crazy. 
People are, are after something. They're seeking something. And, and similar to that, the shepherds and the magi, I can't tell you how um, amazing that this truth is. They went after something great. Like, hey, if we need bacon, we just get in the car and go down the road. Right? The importance of what these two groups did and what and what they sought and how they reacted, man. They were intrigued. They were driven by something greater than anything they had ever seen or experienced before in their lives. And to say that they were on a mission is an understatement. They were seeking. They were seeking. And deep down inside of the heart of every human, your heart is seeking, your heart is on a mission, your heart is pursuing something, it's looking for something. The shepherds, we'll look at these two groups. I'll just share a few things with you. Shepherds were um, outside of the social circle, right? And that's just because of what they did, right? I mean, really don't shepherd in town. They lived on the outskirts of town. They sort of kept to themselves. And by doing, they, they sort of gained a, a bad uh, reputation over time of, of being outsiders and outcasts, but really, I mean, not so, not so. They're more nom- nomadic, right? Kept to themselves, traveled around, took care of their flock. I never noticed this before, and I've read Luke 2 dozens of times. It says, Shepherds were living in the fields. Living in the fields. Like, that's where they called home, was in the fields. Watching over their sheep. That was their place of residence. That was what they were familiar with. That was their day in, day out. This is my life. Their home, they were living in the fields. They had one, really, responsibility, one purpose, one job, to care for the flock, living in the fields. And man, God shows up in a big way in the sky, and what do they do? They left. You could say they left their home. It doesn't even mention what they did with their sheep. Hey, look, this is our life, and we, we're we so wrapped into this. This is what we're supposed to do. And, hey, I might actually like some of these sheep, right? They might have named them all or whatever. Don't even mention them. It suddenly becomes all about seeking something greater. Do you see that? Like, hey, it just... Luke just drops it, and it, he no longer mentions it anymore. Like it becomes this thing that becomes the greatest thing they had ever pursued, and they sought it. They went. <laughs> they knew there was something worth seeking. Generation after generation, hundreds, if not thousands of years, hey, my family, we live in fields, and we take care of sheep. And we just, this is what we do. And it's nothing else. All of a sudden, something greater comes along and they're gone. They're gone. Pursuing, seeking. Then the Magi, wise men. You know, little is known about these guys. Very little. Possibly possibly high-ranking people. They definitely were very, very knowledgeable. They were a mixture between scientists and, and uh, business people, and, and, and they, some of them could have been royalty, right? 
very interesting group of people. We really don't start seeing information about Magi until about 700 A.D., right? So we're, we're trying to tie together information from 700 A.D. all the way back to, when, remember when we went through Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar and that? Nebuchadnezzar brought in magicians and sorcerers, and so there's a similar group that, that is found there, and, and they're, they're advisors to kings, and many, many kings would even put them upon their level, right? That's who these guys were. The only thing that Matthew tells us is they were from the east. It's a pretty big area, right? From the east. It could, could have been, I've heard everything and read everything from, uh, from Asia to Arabia to Persia. It's, hey, according to the Bible, it's from the east. That, so, think about that for a moment. No cars, no trains, no planes. No public transportation. No four-season county transit. Not even in the east. Estimates are that it would have taken these guys, depending on where they came from. All right? So if, you, if it's not named, if it's not named, it's pretty far away. You know, cities and towns within Jerusalem and the Holy Land always had names. If it's not named, it's like, okay, it's pound. That's how, you know, that far away. So estimates are, if, if you're like outside of the, the known circle of the Middle East, then, then it's, it's going to take six months to two years to make that gap. Six months to two years. Think about it. And, and these are real people. These are real people. Almost on the same level as kings. As a matter of fact, some of them could have even been royalty. They left everything they knew. They left their homes. And these guys probably had it all. But they were seeking something greater. And it suddenly became all they were about. It suddenly became their mission. It suddenly became their purpose. And, and we're gone. And, and if, if it takes six months, so be it. If it takes two years, so be it. If it's 2,000 miles, so be it. I'm going. And I'm not stopping until I'm there. We are all wired with this desire to seek, to search for the next best thing. So, man, that is very biblical. This Nintendo, this Tickle Me Elmo, this, I don't know, iPod, I, this, it's there. By, it's implanted to you and to me by, by God. The thing is, what are we seeking? We all want and we search and we seek happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment. But, but Christmas, at the heart of Christmas, is seeking Christ. Seeking Christ. He is the only thing worth pursuing and the only thing that brings happiness and satisfaction. And he is the only thing that when you find it, you are 100% satisfied. There's no buyer's remorse, right? There's no like... Oh, you're not let down when you get it and you open it, right? You don't want to do the, the Chinese Christmas and pawn it off on somebody else. Man. The greatest thing about seeking Jesus is that you can find him. And he's free. 
He's furry. As a matter of fact, you cannot eat, you can't buy him. And he never he never sells out. Like there's no wait, waiting list. Right? Hebrews eleven six, without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If we look back upon the shepherds and the wise men, that is earnestly seeking Jesus. Earnestly. Like, hey, my life is good, but this is great. And I am seeking this. And when they find it, it is worth more than anything that they had ever been given before in their life. And if you seek Jesus, and if you find him, the reward, listen to me, the reward for seeking and finding Jesus is Jesus himself. What good news is that for the lost person? How amazing is that for somebody that is hopeless, hurting, frightened, scared, depressed? The greatest reward for seeking Jesus is that you can find him. You can find him. And the invitation is open to everyone. With these two groups, the invitation appeared in the sky. For you and me, simply the words of Jesus, come to me. Those who seek me, find me. Everyone, everyone. But listen, most of us are believers in here, in Christ. Seeking Jesus is not just a one-time thing, right? Not a once-a-year thing. It needs to be constant. It needs to be every day. We, see, God knows that we get distracted. God knows that our hearts can be divided rather easily. God knows that, that we will sometimes allow competition between him and things of this world. God knows that the next best thing comes along and peop, businesses are really good at marketing and making you think you need something and want something that you don't need and you don't really want. to seek Jesus constantly. First Chronicles 22, 19. Now devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. Man. Seeking is at the heart of Christmas. Seeking should be at the heart of the Christian. Seeking the Lord constantly diverting your focus and your attention and no my life is this my life is this he's what my life is about he is greater he trumps everything else he fulfills he satisfies i'm not going to go this way i'm going to go this way devote your heart and soul i've heard it said that and maybe you've heard this too wise men still seek him i love that phrase it's so true wisdom there's wisdom in finding the Lord. And according to his word, there is rewards for those who earnestly seek him. Man. Who, who are you seeking? Man? Who are you pursuing? This Christmas season, I mean, is we know it's about Jesus, but then what are, what are our lives saying? Seeking, or Christmas is all about seeking, but it's also about finding the greatest thing in all the world. And this is the second thing I want to share with you. What do you do when you find something that great? What do you do when you find something that you never thought you could find, that you didn't even think existed? So where we moved um, out in the wilderness, like a rustic wilderness this year, right? Might make a movie about it, I don't know. Um, I found this amazing spalted wood. I don't know if any of you all know about wood. Some of you may, 
But I come across this wood. Man, it's pretty rare. All right. So I am cutting it up. And I am making all kinds of, trying to make all kinds of furniture out of it. And I'm terrible, okay? I'm not a, I'm not a carpenter or nothing, but man, I'm just loving it. I'm loving it. And it's beautiful. And I wish I would have put a picture up here or something. I've, but I've shared it with, with so many of you in my progress going along from cutting it up to, to sanding it. And man, I've, I've put oil in it and I've treated it like a baby. Man, I'm loving it. And I'm, I'm putting epoxy in the, in the, the holes and the cracks and stuff like that. And I'm going to make some stools and What do you do when you find something that is that valuable? Celebrate. Celebrate. When you peel back the layers of what Christmas is all about, you will find that ultimately Christmas is about celebrating. Think about this for a moment. So, like, the praise team we have here is amazing, is great. I love that the way you all sing and play and lead us into worship. Imagine being on that hillside 2,000 years ago and the multitude of heavenly hosts. I don't know what that means, but it's a lot of angels, and they are singing, and they are singing for one reason. They are, they are praising God the Father because God the Son was here. That blows my mind. Celebrating. And then we see with the Bagi, we see that God does something in the cosmos that, man, he, he, it's almost like he's celebrating by creating a new star, a different star. Christmas is about celebrating. So for us, look, I'm about to get serious. Christmas should be a time of celebrating. Is anybody joyful? This morning, um, so National Lampoons is one of my probably my favorites. You know, you gotta walk. It's PG thirteen, okay? So you know, be careful watching with your kids, whatever. But one of the quotes I like uh, is, um, shoot, I can't even think of her name now. Clark's wife. So y'all watched that last night and the night before, right? So Ellen, all right, she says, it's Christmas, and everybody's miserable. Right? That is so funny because it's so true, isn't it? When you read that and then it, you're like, wait, she's right. Man. So many people out there, maybe maybe that's you, I have felt it a little bit where I'm like, ready for it to be over already? And I'm frustrated and I'm stressed and I'm bitter and I'm finding myself like getting short and, and I'm, I'm getting angry at things that normally wouldn't make me angry and it's just frustrating and I cannot enjoy it. And sometimes, look, I just want to be alone. That's terrible. When we look at this, man, our selves seem to fade out of the picture, and the picture of Jesus becomes more vivid and more clear and more solid. And it's it's like, man, what's going on in my life is doesn't really matter, but it's about the Savior of the world, and he's come, and that is great news. That is a reason to be joyful. The, the Magi, I don't know if you picked up on this, but when they saw the star, and they saw that it stopped, and they saw that it hovered over Jesus, it says that they were overjoyed, overjoyed. Man, we, we cannot miss that excitement, celebrating. You know, we should be overjoyed and thinking about Jesus, our Savior. Look, your Savior 
has come into the world. Look, we celebrate things all the time. And our team wins, like we, we get this promotion at work, or we have a baby, and we're having these gender reveal things, and, and man, what, whatever, we celebrate. Don't let the busyness and the frustration and how hectic and crazy Christmas is steal your joy from the quietness of a Savior. The greatest thing ever has come to the world and is calling you to come and you can find it. Joy. Celebrate. What else do you do when you celebrate? The wise men, they came. It says they worshipped. I would have loved to have seen that, by the way. A culture that is not part of the Jewish culture, a, a more of an Asian-type mystical culture, but yet it says that they come and they worship. And the Lord, the King of Kings, accepts that, folks. Right? That should, should rock us right there. Worship is not about us or our preference, but it's about the King. Right? Who knows what these guys did? Who knows what they sang? But we do know that they worship, and we do know that they bowed down. That blew me away, too. Because if there's a chance, and there's a good chance, based on history, if there's a chance that the, any of these guys were royalty, these kings knew that they were in the presence of the king. They knew. Amen. For, for a person like that to fall on their face and bow down signified that they were celebrating the fact that they were in the presence of God. They worshipped. Are we, are we like that when it comes to Christmas? worship and God and he's holy and, and and we see that they after that they gave these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and I've heard all kinds of you know read all kinds of stuff about what these things mean and it's really cool and all um, the, the point behind it all is is that all of these things were valuable all of these things were extremely valuable and every single one of these things throughout history has been giving, given to kings and kings alone. These, these things were presented to kings throughout history. And here we have kings giving the king kingly gifts. Value. just makes me think, man, am I doing that with, is my resources going to Apple, to Samsung, to Tickle Me Elmo, to Toyota, to Honda, to Zales, to Jared's, to American Eagle, to Walmart, to Sam's, to Target. It, like, is that what is that what I'm doing with my re resources? Is that what my focus is for for Christmas? Man, what we see here, these gifts were given because these guys saw Jesus as worthy of them. What is Jesus worthy of for you? Now, I know we've all been given 
at least a little. Are we giving? Are we, are we, and look, this is part of the celebration. Look, they're not up there crying and like, oh, I got, oh, it hurts. It hurts the wallet. Like, it's part of the celebration. I mean, what do you do when the king is in your presence? Well, first of all, you worship and you bow down and you praise and then you, what, whatever, it, it's yours. Take this. You're worthy. You're worth it. What am, what, am, what am I giving the king? First Chronicles 16, 29. Ascribe to the Lord the glory through his name. Notice this. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. That's what I see these guys doing. Celebrating Jesus. Through, through worship, he's worthy, he's holy, and he's here, and I've found him. When you have the greatest thing in all the world, you, you celebrate, you, you become joyful. Christians, we should be the most joyful people in the world because we've found the greatest thing in the world. Be joyful. Christmas is not a time for everyone to be miserable, especially you. We worship and we give. And then we get to this group. I'm going to close here. The shepherds. Shepherds. So they were seeking and they found and they celebrated too. Well, how did, how did they, what did they do? How did they celebrate? What did they give? Right? We see this interesting comparison to the reaction of these two. The, the way they responded to finding Jesus. You see, shepherds honestly didn't have much, right? Not a whole lot of resources. Dirty hands, torn clothes, smelled like poop and deer, uh, goat cheese probably. I don't Same God said, come. I mean, what do you do when you find? Like, not really dressed for this. Oh, don't, didn't bring anything. I, I left my most valuable possession up on the hill. I love the song, Little Drummer Boy. Love it, love it, love it. Talks about this boy feeling the same way. Like, this king's here, and I got nothing. I got, I'm, I'm poor, and I'm a kid. I got nothing. What can I do? And I love the words. It says, I have no gifts to bring to lay before a king. It says, it says I, I played my drum for him. I love that. And it doesn't stop there. It says, I played my best for him. Here we see the wise men give the best that they had because they had it. That's the key. They had it. Shepherds gave what they had, and it was their praise, and it was their excitement, and it was the story that they shared after the fact. And listen, both stories, God accepted both of those. God blessed both of those. <laughs> the little drummer boy, last words of the last chorus, I don't know if it's a chorus or verse, it says, then he smiled at me. Man, part of worship and celebrating Jesus is the life that he's given us, we use our life to worship and celebrate him and how you live and what you do. You know, part of celebrating is in our reaction. What do you do when you find the greatest thing in all the world? What do you do? 
What do you do? I know when I found the spalted maple, I called Buck Ray. I was like, I found this. The holy grail of woods. What did the shepherds do? They left and they praised God. And they said, let's tell everyone about everything we have seen and heard. That's how they celebrated. Notice it started off, let's go see. Let's go see. When they found, now it's all about let's go tell. Let's go tell. Let's spread the word. The excitement built up in these guys. They could not wait to get the word out. Are you like that? Right? I feel, this is the way I feel about me, okay? But I feel like a lot of us are sleepwalking. That's how weird it is. It's like we're in this, I don't know, this fog, and we need to wake up and realize the the thing that we have found and celebrate that fact, and we need to start sharing the good news. My other top favorite Christmas movie, Elf. So Buddy the Elf says, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. So think about the gospel. Think about that story. Think about Christ coming and how the shepherds responded. The best way to spread joy is singing loud for all to hear that Christ the Savior is born. And I have found him. You can find him too. The world needs to hear the message of the good news. I want to leave you with this, Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who bring the good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. How beautiful. You see, man, God accepted the gift of the wise men, of the magi, but you see, God sees something else as beautiful too, and that is when you spread and you carry and you are the messenger of the good news that he has come. God finds that beautiful. And this isn't saying that Men, your feet can be pretty, right? Kim, no hope for your feet. It's about the willing heart that carries the message. Just imagine being a shepherd in this area and and looking and seeing people traveling and coming across here and coming across there, joyful, excited, bringing a message. That's what this verse is talking about. Just imagine if God looks down upon us, upon you, upon Community Heights Church, and starts to see this scatter of people, of messengers, proclaiming and celebrating the fact that Jesus has come. The Savior has been born. I have found him. Come and see. How beautiful is that to God? Good news needs to be shared. So the heart of Christmas, folks, is seeking Jesus. He's the main thing. He's it. And, and, and we don't stop seeking him. We don't stop pursuing him. And it's also this. It's, it's celebrating the fact that you have found him. Folks, let's leave out of here joyful. Let's don't go out of here to the store or to wherever and start complaining Let's go out of here with smiles on. Let's be beautiful to God and let's proclaim the good news of his arrival. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today and these two amazing stories that we read every Christmas and that we are also familiar with, God. But as we see, you are, you are saying something much greater, God. You're, you're displaying your invitation. 
to seek you. You're, you're telling the world that you can be found, that you're, you've come. God, I pray that those who are just looking at things to satisfy their lives, to bring fulfillment or pleasure or enjoyment, that God, there's not lasting fulfillment or joy or pleasure in anything other than you. You're the only one that satisfies. and You're the only thing worth laying our lives aside completely and leaving our normal lives behind and, and, and pursuing and seeking. God, I'm thankful that you can be found, that you came to us so that we could find you. God, I pray that we would keep our focus and our hearts and our souls set upon upon seeking you and your glory in our lives. God, I pray that we would celebrate the fact that we've been saved, that you have changed our lives, God, that you have forgiven us, that you have uh, given us an, an inheritance, an eternal inheritance to look forward to, that you have forgiven our sin when when our sin is not forgivable through any other way except through God. But Jesus came and made it possible for us to receive forgiveness through him. God, help us to live our lives in a way that would point people, would, would show people that there's a reason to be glad. There's a reason to have joy. The Savior's been born. and He's there. and He's available to all. All who will come. All who will seek Him. God, we thank you so much for this great truth today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.